What would you do if you knew anything was possible for you? My name is Holly Moore and I started an events company 10 years ago from scratch at my dining room table. Join me over the next few weeks and hopefully at the end of it, you will see why anything truly is possible for you. Welcome again to the Anything Is Possible podcast. Um, Today's episode really is a dream come true for me. So let me give you a little bit of context. So back in the day, a long time ago, when I was about 20 years old, I decided I needed to earn a little bit of extra money. So I had my first side hustle and I became a party planner for Anne Summers, which mum and dad, me being a convent girl, were a little bit shocked at, but I was determined that this was going to be my side hustle and it would buy me those extra pairs of diesel jeans. So that actually entered me into the world of events because as a Anne Summers party planner, you get invited to a national conference. So there was I, 20 years old, dressed up as a schoolgirl with 500 other schoolgirls and ascended on the Mere Resort for my first ever conference. And that was the day that I truly fell in love with events. Since that day, I have followed Jacqueline Gold, who is the chair of Anne Summers for many years. She's inspired me hugely and I'm absolutely delighted to be sat with her today to talk about her life story and how anything is possible. So Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a real pleasure. I'm really excited to do it. Well, you have had such a colourful life, not only in business, but in personal. I think we'll touch the surface today and you have told me to to ask away, so I will. And hope Hopefully, we'll find some really useful um, information for our listeners today. So, in the 1970s, um, you got into the business of um, selling vibrators, really. Your dad um, had a publishing business um, that published sex magazines, and he then acquired four Anne Summers shops. So, what was Anne Summers at that time? Who was Anne Summers? Well, just to be clear... Um, I was only, a, you know, I was quite young at the time, so I wasn't actually oh, yeah. in the business. Um, but yeah, it was very different um, to what it is today. I mean, it's gone through an amazing transition, actually, which I am super proud of. Um, so it was very much the sort of raincoat brigade. And, uh, you know, we had these sex shops, which were considered to be the respectable side of the sex industry. Yeah. But actually, you know, they were still very intimidating for women to go in. And in those days, you know, women didn't really uh, have a lot of say in the in the bedroom. You know, it was, uh, you know, if you did buy any underwear in the stores, it would be sort of scratchy nylon <laughs> with sort of harsh lace reddish edging or something like that. So I guess when I got involved, that was what really, you know, I wanted to change because I wanted women to feel empowered in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's been quite uh, an exciting and very colourful journey. And so you started off as work experience. And was it purely, I need some work experience? Or was it actually you were quite interested in, you know, what what is this? What can... So I was working for Royal Dal- Dalton at the time, which is like um, uh, fine bone china. And, you know, I, I enjoyed working there. It was at Medhurst, actually, in Bromley, which I think is now Primark. Um <laughs> But it just wasn't stimulating enough for me. I was ambitious. Um, I was very creative and I liked being busy. I was used to being busy all the time. So I left there. I went to work at Anne Summers 
just temporarily. Um, you know, I was um, wasn't planning on staying there for long <laughs> because it was a real male-dominated yeah. business. You know, as I said about the sort of very male-dominated. It was top shelf magazines, um, and you know the the senior board were all sort of grey-suited men. <laughs> Sorry, Dad, but, you know, <laughs> that, that was how it was. So I really had no intention of, of staying. But I got invited. I was invited to a Pippa D party. Some of your listeners may remember them, but it was like, it was sort of like next clothing, I suppose, yeah, yeah. but uh, in a sort of um, direct selling setting. Yeah. And I went along to the to this um, party, and I sort of remember sitting there on a a sofa. Well, it was in a tiny, tiny room in a, a council flat in southeast London in Thamesmead. And I remember sort of driving there in my mustard coloured mini, <laughs> uh, walking to the top floor, and um, you know, eventually joining the party. And then suddenly, I found myself drawing a picture of my husband's meat and two veg on a piece of paper on the top of my head, thinking, "Well, you know, this isn't quite how I imagined my career starting." So, um, yeah, that that was sort of, uh, you know, and for a twenty-one-year-old, that yeah. was quite, um, yeah, I was quite sort of, oh, this well, is this? Know, yeah. quite shy, and yeah, uh, yeah. but it did got get me thinking. And women at the party were sort of saying, "You know, why don't you?" Um, why don't you do sort of Anne Summers parties? We'd love to be able to buy sexy underwear, wow. but we're too embarrassed to go into a sex shop, which yeah. I could completely relate to. Yeah. And I started doing some parties myself, but obviously with limited stock because yeah. the stock I had was aimed at men. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I did some parties for friends where I lived, which was in Biggin Hill at the time in Kent. Um, and I remember women at the party sort of <laughs> passing the... Um, the products along like yeah. this because obviously I'd switch the vibrators on and then like sort of jiggle them along, sort of giggling and um, sort of nervous and, and excited really all at the same time. Well, I mean, for people that haven't been to, I guess, the traditional Anselmus party, having done it myself, you take all your wares, don't you, that you've got your little box of tricks and then you all do parties, everyone has a drink and then hopefully get the courage to to buy things. And that's developed quite a lot, hasn't it, recently through COVID. You had to go virtual, didn't you with the, the parties. I mean, it was amazing during during the lockdown because, you know, those businesses that survived were the ones that thought differently and, and were sort of thinking, okay, what can we do differently that plays into the environment that we, we now sort of yeah. unexpectedly find ourselves in? So um, actually, we now have six routes to market, which is quite wow. something. I mean, you know, it's really taken multi-channel to a totally new level. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the party plan is something, in fact, we don't call it party plan anymore. I, yeah. I know it was that when you started. Yeah, it's yeah. really a sisterhood. Come yeah, on. It's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> thousands of women empowering yeah. each other. It's um, it's it's really a, a totally different, um, a, a totally different setup. And the women that worked for us suddenly realized they couldn't, they couldn't hold the traditional parties anymore. Yeah. So they were doing parties on Zoom. And women that had thought of joining us but hadn't thought, actually, my future's uncertain. I don't know whether my company's going to survive. I don't know whether my job's going to still be here. I'm going to try this and earn some money, sort of a bit like you did yeah, sort of all those yeah. years ago. 
and they were joining us in their droves. I yeah. mean, we went from 4,000 uh, working um, ambassadors to 20,000. Wow. Um, wow. And it was, yeah, it was something quite special. And not surprisingly, we completely sold out of penis pasta <laughs> because, um, you know, toilet rolls were go- had sold out. Yeah. The traditional pasta had sold out. So what, you know, we suddenly found people were coming to Ann Summers and buying penis pasta. Um which my do- my thirteen year old daughter thought was hilarious because there I was with Aldo Zilli, you know, cooking <laughs> up a storm, and she's going, she's recording me. She's going, "Have I got to eat this?" I said, "Yes, you have." She said, "This is gross." So, and anyway. didn't you as well come up with a new vibrator that was quieter because more people were having sex at home? Is that right? Oh, totally. I mean, <laughs> you know, the when we research our customers. Um, I mean, there was a couple of things that we did. The, yeah. the Whisper vibrator was one that's of it. them. Yeah. And um, absolutely, quietness and powerfulness are the two most important ingredients right. that our customers require when buying a vibrator for obvious reasons. <laughs> so, yes, the, the Whisper, and people naturally were investing so much more in their sex lives yeah. because there was nothing else to do. Yeah. So, um, you know... Uh, sex lives and investments in relationships yeah. was all sort of completely uh, reinvented and and changed. But um, and well being as well. You know, people yeah. wanted to invest more in their well being. And you know, we we uh, I know you're probably going to talk about it yeah. later. But I was um, diagnosed with breast cancer in 2016. Yeah. So. During that period, which is a long period of going through quite a traumatic, Mm. in fact, traumatic is not really the right word, brutal, I would say, um, treatment process, got me thinking. And I remember, you know, seeing my oncologist and nobody told me that this was going to, this treatment was going to impact my sex life. Um, And yet when men go and talk to their doctors about prostate cancer or, you know, any other you know, sort of, um, sort of conditions that yeah. they might have that infect, affect their sex life. The doctors are very open, yeah. You know, and talk to uh, the men about you know you must do this and this is going to happen, but nobody talks to women and women's sex lives are really, really important. Actually, made me quite cross, yeah, because you know I went through a period of thinking. You know, there are certain things that happen. You're put on medication that makes you dry. You're put yeah. on, um, you know, if you have a mastectomy like I did, you start to think, is my husband still going to yeah. fancy me? Yeah. So it was really important. And I did a lot of research. I got involved with Breast Cancer Now, yeah, which is a fantastic charity uh, that I'm sure most people have heard of. And we did, a, um, you know, a collaboration with them. Oh, did you? Um, yes. So, uh, you know, we were, we br- basically, we brought out this new range called MyViv, which stands yeah. for My Very Important Vagina, <laughs> obviously. And the, um, you know, it, it was really taking, it was products, it, I mean, it's still available. We sell yeah. it in Boots as well, by the way, not just Ann Summers yeah. and Feel Unique and another a yeah. few other brands because we want to make this as accessible as possible. Yeah. Um, we also have a... Um, a, a a website for well so that there is a community where yeah. people can um you know exchange experiences yeah. um 
but I wanted to do something that went from therapy right through to pleasure. So it yeah. was a very gentle journey. And that includes dilators and other other products that um, are not just toys, that aren't just sex yeah. toys, but it's a very gentle way of approaching it. And actually, I, I also spoke about it on um, Lorraine yeah. on this morning. And um, sorry, on Lorraine. Yeah. And she's lovely, Lorraine yeah. Kelly. I mean, she, I actually she actually said... Um, my very important vagina twice, which I love her for because, you know, why shouldn't we yeah, talk yeah. about the, the vagina, which is so, you know, so important for our well-being? It's so interesting. And we're going to talk about the future and your future, but it, it feels and it has felt for a long time, like the last few years listening to you, that the empowerment movement and everything that Anne Summers stands for over and above what it looks like on the tin is becoming more and more important to you. It really is because, you know, I... I think one of the things that we did when we very first started is we had a purpose. Yeah. And there are not many companies that did that other than probably Body Shop. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Anita Roddick, you know, they really mm-hmm. had a strong purpose. But, you know, years ago, um, and, you know, I, I started uh, the Ann Summers um, direct selling 40 years ago now, 41 years ago. Yeah. So um, it was... It really was um, about empowering women in the bedroom. Yeah. That's what we wanted to do because there was nothing for women there. Yeah. And, and I wanted to put our state firmly in the ground and really own it. But as time has gone, gone on, you know, that has evolved. Women are much more empowered in the bedroom. And I feel very proud that we have been really culture changing in yeah. society and in, in moving that forward. Um, but also personally... In particular, I work very hard. Um, in fact, funny enough, on on uh, when was it now? Tuesday. Yeah. I went to the House of Lords to celebrate um, the Women's Business Council along with a number of other women, because you know empowering women in the workplace now is something yeah. that I feel really passionate about. Yeah. Empowering women in business, which is how we yeah. got to meet, yeah. which was fantastic. Um, and actually, within Ann Summers, um, you mentioned Sean earlier. Yeah. You know, we when we do our campaigns, um, you know, we have nine women in our squad. In our in our modelling squad, we have nine women. They're not all models. Some of them are influencers. Some of them are, um, you know, obviously Sean has got a prosthetic leg, yeah. and we've got uh, all colours. All you know, women yeah. of different colour. We've got um, you just. All sorts of diversity, a trans woman, Tallulah, yeah. who I absolutely love. Um, so, yeah, that that's what we stand for. Well, when I was lucky enough to attend your International Women's Day brunch, actually, you know that you looked across the room and, and no one did look the same. And I, I met Sean Lord, who's also a podcast guest, and her story is really inspirational. And, you know, it was great to see that diversity in the room. Um so, I mean, so interesting already. So you, in I think this is right, in 1987, you became CEO of Ann Summers. What did it look like then? How many people worked for the business? What was the hierarchy? Um, crikey, it was, you know, I, yeah, I was made CEO, but I didn't, I was so focused on what I was doing. Yeah. It, it was just a title. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a woman on a mission. I know what I'm doing. Um, I started actually when I, you know, in my teens, I was incredibly shy. Yeah. Um, but you don't, anybody watching this, you don't have to be super confident to be successful. You just need to have, you need to have a passion. Yeah. And you need to have courage. Yeah. And the confidence comes later. It just yeah. comes naturally. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, that's why I love, um, I'm going off piste a bit here, but that's why I love mentoring women. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, there are so many women that are, you know, oh, I couldn't do that. I don't, you know, I don't act this way. I'm I'm not, you know, and and when we see programs like um, The Apprentice or, you know, Dragon's Den, I think it's, I think they're wonderful in the sense that they inspire people to be business people, but I think they can put women off yeah. because I think they make women feel like I can't be like that. Yeah. But you absolutely can. Yeah. And you can retain your femininity and you can, you know, I was at a meeting once, uh, and this is years ago, when one uh, one male per- board member said to me, you know, I find your quietness unnerving. We are so much more powerful than we realise. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you don't need to be a chess beater or a you know, table basher. You don't need to be any of those things. So um, I guess, you know, in answer to your question, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, uh, you know, around that time, I was having to use resources in the business. um, And, you know, those resources were very out, very outdated compared to what we, what we're used to seeing today. And, Thank goodness things are changing. We're not completely there yet. So please don't say job job's done because yeah, it yeah. isn't. Um, but, you know, the more that we have women like yourself that, you know, do things like this um, and raise their head above the parapet and uh, inspire the next generation, for me, that that is truly, truly amazing. But, it, yeah, it was very different in the sense that, you know, there wasn't the mentoring that you have today. Um, there wasn't, there weren't many women in business, yeah. you know, and it was really the um, the sort of women that, you know, really were focused that, that got ahead. Got ahead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. wow. Powerhouse. Um, so what, so your sister got involved at what stage? When did that happen? So Vanessa is seven years younger than me. Yeah. Um, she went to college um that didn't work out and uh she um she then did the same thing came and uh, came and worked uh in the business um for work experience <laughs> and uh, she will if she was here now she would say you know I didn't even have an office yeah. I was sat on the floor taking calls um I had a telephone on the floor no desk yeah. and I was taking calls from the cust- you know from customers because it was just we started literally from the beginning yeah I mean our, our, our my first year's turnover was 83,000 and now it's of course you know a multi-million pound company wow. so um yeah and and you have to pinch yourself sometimes yeah. you know and I, I know she does I mean she is awesome I mean if you don't follow her on social media you should do because yeah. she she is so such an inspiring woman. She's such a people person. She has so many wonderful skills. And, you know, I always think of Vanessa as being fantastic at bringing the best out of her team and taking them on the journey. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a lot of women that aren't in the public eye that are doing some amazing things. And yeah. she really is one of them. Yeah. And how um, the growth, did you have investment? How involved was your dad? How did you manage to scale financially? So uh, at the beginning, my dad uh, wasn't involved at all because uh, we decided that we were going to make it um, female only. (laughs) So um, the the grey suited men that I spoke about earlier, I remember at the board meeting that I went to when I sort of talked about my idea, 
one man, um, Ron, Ron Coleman, his name was, threw his pen down on the table, stood up, threw his pen down on the table and said, well, well, this isn't going to work, is it? Women aren't even interested in sex. <laughs> and I'm like, you're joking. You know, you're kidding me. Uh, obviously, I wasn't going to say that because I was trying to, I wanted yeah. the money, I wanted the investment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did think this obviously says a lot more about your sex life <laughs> than it does about my idea. Um, but, you know, I went ahead with it. Um, I started advertising in the London Evening Standard yeah. uh, once a week. And um, they, uh, I, I think they invested £40,000, which was nowhere near enough. Yeah. But at least I started advertising. Yeah. It was something very, very different. Nobody had done anything like this before. Yeah. I used to drive up to the Strand Palace Hotel uh, in London, which is still there. Yeah. And uh, the people that replied to the ad would come along and I'd talk about, I'd take that box of tricks yeah. that you talked about um, and I'd talk about the idea. I'd recruit women in the room. I think one of my first uh, women was um, a couple from Chelsea. So, you know, it's very diverse um, demographics yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, two fairly comfortable women that just wanted to earn more money. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, they just wanted to have fun Yeah. Um, while they were earning money. And, um, of course, I recruited all of those women that were at the Thamesmead party, Yeah. Uh, you know, Chris and Anne. And there was just a, a great team of women that gave me so much feedback and so much um insight into you know what women wanted yeah. and you know they they were all they were awesome um and then it just was like self-propagating you know women come to the party and then they would join and then yeah. I somebody would pop up in uh Melton Mowbray and then we'd start advertising there and then I think the next group of people were in Plymouth and then they were you know it was just sort a of domino effect almost yeah yeah, yeah. um was it 24-7 then? Those, you know, has it, has it, or has it continued to be? Was it seven days a week, really long days? Like how much of your time did it occupy back in the Yeah, beginning? it really was 24-7, um, partly because, you know, I didn't have the team that I needed. You know, when yeah. you grow that fast and we were growing at 20% a year, which was um, fantastic, you know, and this was, you know, this was around – you know, challenging times, minor strikes and all yeah, things going yeah. on. Um, but, you know, we we were growing really fast and I was throwing people at the problem. And, yeah. you know, you, you, you don't have the investment that obviously we have now and therefore perhaps didn't have the quality of people that I always wanted. And that's probably actually one of my regrets if I were to pick one is that, you know, I, I think I – if I had my time again, I would start recruiting. You know, we've got some awesome people in the business now. I wished I'd done that earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, this this is what happens when you're learning. You learn as you go. And these challenges, every challenge is an opportunity to learn more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, I guess a little kind of a popularity point for Ann Summers was the rabbit, um, which for the, I'm sure people know the rabbit was probably one of the most famous vibrators that was one in your product range. And then it ended up on Sex in the City, did it? So how did that all happen? Yeah, I mean, that was quite incredible. I think it was Samantha yeah. um, that uh, sort of locked herself away with, uh, <laughs> with the rabbit. Um, and yes, they they 
used one on their on their show and uh you know you can imagine yeah. the sales and yeah. the you know selling out and of course now we have um I mean the, the rabbit is iconic I don't yeah. know if you noticed when you walked in yeah I've got a big yeah. statue of a rabbit my yeah. doormat has got a rabbit on yeah. there's rabbits secretly <laughs> plotted around the house so um so it really is quite iconic. Um, and of course, we now have a rabbit family. So there are so many different types of rabbits. Obviously, yeah. the Whisper is a rabbit. Yeah. We have a waterproof one. You know, there are so many different types. I mean, if I could if I could design one that put the bins out or caught spiders, <laughs> it would just, uh, you know, our life would be complete. Oh, wow. So that sort of brings me on to, um, I guess, your um celebrity status in that um you know you have written a couple of novels you've been quite on quite a few tv shows documentaries how did that all come about like you know to go from running a business to a bit more you know in the public eye gosh um yeah that's a good question i mean i think because i kept pushing boundaries yeah you know i had quite a few challenges during my career and naturally those challenges attracted publicity yeah um but I was determined to stand up for what I believed in yeah and and I think that whilst the press initially were quite you know negative I think they then realized that actually the 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 female part of the population loved what I was doing Mm. because they felt Mm. empowered um and it you know it was a revolution it really was revolutionary um and so, yeah, I just got started being invited to to do, you know, I did a show years ago called Million Pound Giveaway. Um, I've, but I've more recently done some things that I, I only ever do things that I really think I'm going to enjoy or that are close to my heart. Yeah. So I did a program recently called Womanhood. Yeah. Which um, was for the BBC. And that was all about women in the 21st century, you know, could have been a six-part series, to be honest. Yeah. It was so interesting. Um, and I'm sure, you know, there'll probably probably be other, other things I'll do in the future. Yeah. Just a reminder that the best way you can support the show is to subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and a little review for what you think of our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. It only takes a second and may seem like a small thing, but it helps us rank in the podcast charts, find new listeners and reach even more amazing guests. So with your review, you're actually helping to improve the Anything Is Possible show. Um. So you're now also, I think you've, Site has been one of the top 10 women in retail. Is that right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I have had a, I'm very blessed to have received a lot of awards yeah. and a lot of, uh, you know, I've been in the 40 under 40 and yeah, yeah uh, different, different things. So yes, I'm, I'm sure that's, that's the case. So with, um, for our listeners, um, that might be developing a business or have a small to medium, large business, and they want to become more well-known with their, in their industry, not just for their brand, what advice would you give them? Well, I think you have to stand out from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you, you know, if you're talking about within your industry, um, obviously, you know, whatever industry that is, you want to be part of that, part of the community of that industry. Yeah. So, you know, I'm part of the, uh, part of Retail Week. I'm um, invested in, I'm an amb- ambassador for the Retail Trust, which is a charity. Um, I've done a lot of work with British Retail Consortium. So you need to, you know, have a profile within those, 
within yeah. those industries. Uh, you know, the direct selling, we used to be members of the Direct Selling Association. So all of these different industries will have their own yeah. uh, networks, etc. So you have to be a, a, a player, you know, have a presence. You yeah. need to be a contributor. There's no point, you know, just, you know, wandering in and wandering out. You yeah. need to contribute and be passionate about your industry. And then I think it's about having a point of difference. Um, and that goes back to that purpose piece. You know, we had that purpose. We That purpose has evolved. And I think com- companies that have a purpose um, are something that, you know, industry leaders are really interested in hearing more about. That's so interesting because um, Make Events, um, my company, we've just won a National Events Industry Award and we just recently got the feedback actually. And we won for a completely different reason to what I thought it would be and it was because we do do personal development for the team under the brand of anything is possible and they said nobody else was doing that within the industry so you know to your point that obviously is a a way of standing out so that's great advice for anybody I I think so because I think in in difficult times and you know it's not over we have been through we've been through obviously the COVID, we've been through lockdowns, we've been through Brexit, which has had, whether you supported it or not, it's had uh, an impact. And we've been through, you know, we're going through a war, for goodness sake. Yeah, yeah. Um, so goodness knows, you know, there are challenges. I mean, during the lockdown, I was on the BRC calls weekly and listening to CEOs of heritage high street brands, you know, with experiencing you know quite considerable challenges um and you know that's that's going to continue you know we're, we're going to see some of those sad situations continue and, yeah. and or, or situations casualties I, I guess I should say so we have to adapt to this new environment yeah and I think those companies that are adapting um are the ones that are going you know that they are thriving yeah. in this new you know in this new um landscape yeah that we find ourselves in so um we are going to talk a bit more about Ansomers um to the end of the podcast but let's get on to your personal life now um so you're married to Dan how long have you been married gosh um i think we've been married we've been together for 22 years yeah. and we've been married for about 11 and you, so you, where did you meet? How did that um, all happen? So uh, Dan is the best friend of my sister. Yeah. And of course, my sister is my best friend. Oh, so, I didn't know um, that. You know, that's, that's, it's, ama- it's an amazing, we're an amazing four ball. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Oh, how lovely. So um, we're going to talk about your journey to becoming a mum. And um, you had you always wanted to be a mum or had you just been completely focused on your career? So um, I'd always been really focused on my career. Yeah. And I've been married twice. Yeah. So um, my first husband, um, we were together for about 10 years and he found what I was doing very difficult. He was a very traditional, he was a Catholic boy who was used to men being the breadwinner. So, you know, we drifted apart. And um, we never had children um, because it just didn't feel right to yeah. me. So, uh, yeah, when I when I met Dan, you know, when you're in the right relationship, I think, 
you know, it 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 felt right. So um, yeah, we now have a a, a lovely thirteen year old daughter. So you've t- you've talked quite openly that um, you can see. Uh, through IVF had you tried naturally before then or was it just at that time that that was the first step yeah we had tried naturally um and you know it's that whole IVF process anybody that's been through it Mm -hmm. it's you know it's quite um draining Mm. and it's quite challenging on the relationship Yeah, yeah um you know, Dan and I split up for a couple of years during that process really? because it was very, you know, it was very difficult, yeah. the disappointment, you know, and IVF wasn't spoken about like it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it's so refreshing that we're now in a world where we do talk about, you know, mental health. We yeah. do talk about IVF. We do talk about um disabilities and all of these things are a challenge in people's lives that in the past you know we had been encouraged to sort of keep to ourselves not to share but I I think that um hopefully it is easier for couples now but yeah that was the it was a difficult time and the journey from starting IVF to, to having um Scarlett was how long so gosh um did you conceive abroad in the end? So we had, I can't remember over what period yeah. it was, but we had three goes, we had three tries in this country. Mm. Um, then we split up. <laughs> and then um, when we got back together again, we we just decided, we'd heard some great things about America and we went to San Francisco. Yeah. And their whole um, outlook was very different. I'm a really positive person. Yeah. And... The, the different clinics that we went to in this country had a much more if it happens, whereas in America it's when it happens. Mm-hmm. And that difference in and, – and, you know, there's a lot more here. There is a lot more protocol, paperwork, red tape to go through. Yeah. And I'm not saying some of those things aren't important. They are, but – when you're feeling stressed, you know, you you want computer says yes, not computer says <laughs> yeah. no. Um, you want anything is possible, don't you? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And when I went, when we went to America, it was just like being on a different planet, to yeah. be honest. It wow. really was. And that changes your mindset and that makes you more, I'm sure, it, 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 it uh, positively impacts your outcome. And um, did, I mean, did you have a plan B? You know, were you looking to adopt if you hadn't been able to conceive or was it just this will work? Um, I don't know if we had a plan B. We had talked about adoption, but I don't think that was something we really wanted to do. Um, yeah, I think, uh, do you know what? I really, I felt confident it was going to work. Yeah, yeah. And then um, you obviously had Scarlett and Alfie, and I don't know if you want to touch upon yeah, what of happened. So I fell pregnant with twins, um, which was just the most amazing feeling because nobody expects to, <laughs> to fall pregnant with twins. Um, but sadly, at twelve weeks, and we didn't know what the sex, what their sex were. We were told at twelve weeks that. Um, one of the babies had a fatal abnormality, which was devastating, which was really devastating. Um, And so, uh, and one of the babies was a healthy baby. So for after the 12 weeks um, and until the twins were born, I had 
I had also been told that Alfie Alfie wouldn't, um, you know, he 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 would miscarry basically, yeah. and as we got closer and closer, you know, we got to um, I think if I remember rightly, I think they said that uh, it would be around nineteen weeks. Yeah. So I was, um, as a mum-to-be, I was trying to prepare myself for that and I was grieving for my baby whilst he was in the womb, which, um, and I would talk to them both every day and, you know, interact with them, but I was also grieving. So when it went past 19 weeks and nothing had happened, um, I hadn't mentally prepared for that. Yeah. Course. Um, and no, none of the doctors told me that this was a that this was going to be a, a yeah possibly going to be a viable birth. So um, yeah, it did come as a complete shock. Um, and he was born with a condition called alobar hollenpressencephaly, mm-hmm. which just by the complication of how it sounds, is basically. Um, you know, he he didn't have a brain. Basically, he just had a, a stem at the at the base of the brain. Um, but and he had some abnormalities. But he he, he he when he was born, he he was actually quite. I, I know this is on podcast, but he was nor he looked normal, sort of from the mouth down. Yeah. Um, but he had the most beautiful. Beautiful big blue eyes, and um, it's obviously I'm slowing down because yeah, it's a course. little bit difficult, re, re, you know, recalling yeah. those events. He was born in pain, which um, was horrendous oh, for me. No mother should ever have to hear her child cry in pain. Um, it's very different to crying after you've they've taken yeah, their first yeah, breath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, had a cesarean. Um, and he was tra- taken straight into special care. Um, and he obviously had, he he spent some, I think about three months in hospital. And then he was transferred or we arranged for him to be transferred to um, t- uh, the children's home at Tadworth, yeah. which is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they specialise in looking after children with, um, brain abnormalities yeah. and also children that have had, you know, problems in, in, in an accident or in an yeah. operation or, or whatever. So they do some amazing work. And, I'm you know, I truly believe that in his time there, he had, you know, the best quality life that we, we and the team at the Children's Trust could give him. Um, you know, and there was lots of sensory experiences. Yeah. We took Scarlet in regularly and she would... Uh, you know, play with him on the mat. We took videos. So we have lots of memories for Scarlett. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, it was never, he was never going to have a long life. And, uh, you know, he survived um, for eight months. And I, I mean, I can't imagine the, uh, the juxtaposition of emotions that would have, because not only the the IVF and then to have your healthy baby and then to go full term, I just can't imagine. And a woman even as strong as you, you know, um, ha- ha- like what did you do to deal with that grief? Because you had a little girl to look after, didn't you as well? So, 
do you know, can I just say, first of all, there's no right or wrong way to deal yeah, with this. And 100%. everybody deals with it differently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, you know, we should never judge people on how they, they handle these situations. Um, and for me, um, it, it was difficult because I had Scarlet. Yeah. The, the whole thing was bittersweet and it yeah. still is today. Every time there's a, it's their birthday or it's Christmas, yeah. you know, for Scarlett's birthday, we're having a party one minute and then going to the graveside the next. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult. Um, but I, I handled it by initially, obviously I, I was at home grieving. I mean, yeah. he died in my arms. Um, I, I knew I had to keep upbeat for Scarlett and gosh, if I, things would have been very different, I think, if I hadn't have had Scarlett in all yeah, honesty. Of um, and there was one point, um, I think it was, I don't know how long afterwards, but I think my husband said to me, do you know what, Jack, I think you need to go back to work because I think you need some normality in your life. And I took his advice and I went back to work um, I couldn't actually go to the Children's Trust for about two years yeah. because it was too painful. Yeah, of course. Um, and then in the meantime, I just focused on building memories um, with Scarlett. And we I had this um, pirate's chest made uh, for Alfie and a princess one for Scarlett. And in the pirate's chest, I put all of his, you know, memories and um, I created lovely albums and you know, we had nice things, you know, photos created and nice um, sort of pictures in her room. And uh, as she got older, you know, she might say to me, oh, I really miss Alfie, mummy. And it it was always just before she was going to bed, she would suddenly really so, miss him. Yeah. And then I, you know, we'd, we'd always sit down and do a little prayer and, talk to him and we'd look at the brightest sky in the star, which was always Alfie and, you know, she'd kiss him goodnight. And even, do you know, even now, um, you know, whilst, um, you know, it chokes me a bit to talk about it, there is a positivity about it because I, we feel, you know, we feel him around us and I know yeah. that that feels strange, but it's hard to describe, but we do feel his presence. And that gives us a lot of comfort. God, I mean, your journey just in, it will inspire so many people on so many levels. Um, and, and we haven't, there's other things that we're going to to talk about. And I promise we'll we get, get onto some more um, positive stuff. But, I, you know, I do want to touch up on what you talked about before, that you, you were diagnosed with breast cancer in 2016. I think it's important, again, these, these topics are going to, resonate with so many women out there and if anyone was set to inspire the nation with what you've been through I definitely think you are um so for people listening what happened did you feel unwell did you find a lump you know how did it transpire that you were diagnosed so my husband uh was uh away he was in Portugal on a on a golfing weekend yeah. and I was you know having a shower and I always and I recommend anybody yeah. anyone every woman should do this um, so I had this alarm that I set once a month. So really? To uh, always test myself. And I always do it in the shower a when you've idea. got, you know, a bit of, uh, soap on you. And, yeah. I, I, and I found not a lump, but I found what felt like unusual 
it just felt different. Yeah. And I thought it was probably nothing. Uh, didn't do anything about it. Then the alarm went off again the next month. Yeah. Did the test, did it again, and I felt it again. I thought, this isn't right. I was going to my doctor's anyway. So when I went, I, I said to her, oh, by the way, I've got this strange feeling. I, I'm sure it's nothing. And she said, well, whereabouts? And as I was trying to find it, I found this pea-sized lump underneath what I felt oh, initially, yeah. which was the unusual tissue. And it was underneath. And she, I mean, she was brilliant. She got me straight over for a biopsy, had a biopsy straight away. Um, it took a week to get the results. I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer in 2016. I have been on a very challenging journey yeah. because I was told by my oncologist that this was curable. And for anybody listening, if you've got stage two, it really is curable. However, for me, my journey didn't go um, as straightforward. I I went on a very brutal um, course of chemotherapy. I then had a lumpectomy. I then had radiotherapy. At the end of it, I had what they call a complete response to treatment. Now, if you have a complete response to treatment, that means... It, the chances of it coming back are all are like 0.1%. So I danced my way out thinking this was never going to come back again. Yeah. Um, 2018, I was diagnosed, re-diagnosed, and it had come back in the same breast and also in the lymph in the lymph nodes under my right arm. Um I then had to go through chemotherapy again. Um, which was much more difficult than the first time. I thought that was bad enough. Really? I had 23 side effects the first time. Well, and what, you know, I've not had known anyone in my family to have breast cancer, only what I see in the media. So what would be some, you know, side effects we wouldn't know about maybe? My God. Um, so uh, I still have numbness in the tips of my fingers. Yeah. Numbness in the, on your toes. Um, I had sores on my... Uh, shins, um, which was so unbearable. At night, I used to have to lay on a dog mat, one of those cooling mats. Yeah. yeah. Um, I uh, the second time round, I lost my virtually lost my eyesight through. Really. I mean, it's come back. It all. Listen, most of it has yeah. rectified itself. Yeah. Um, I. I mean, to to lose your eyesight and the feeling in your feet. I mean, I couldn't cross the road without help. Wow. Um, that's not to mention the obvious that people are are used to hearing about sickness, but they give you medication for that now, so you shouldn't yeah. experience. Although I did experience sickness after the treatment. If I walked into a hospital, I felt the nausea feeling. Really? And, uh, there is a name for it when you your brain associates going yeah. in a hospital with what you'd been through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there were a number a number of very awful side effects but yeah. um so where was i i so we died yes i then yeah. had a mastectomy uh, uh not a double a single mastectomy um and then then i started to feel you know i'd gone through all of the treatment um and now i'm 
you know, obviously going through recovery. But the second time round, where I'd gone from being a warrior the first time, the second time, you know, there was anxiety. Yeah. I, I health anxiety. Yeah. Like, God, it, you know, I thought I'd got... The first time I was so a woman on a mission. Focused. And actually, I I did get the results that I expected. But but I had this really unusual situation where it came back. Cut a very long story short, because my my oncologist went through a court case where he was potentially going to get cut off and I was having to completely self-fund. Um I I'm now with a, a different oncologist. And what I now find out is that I, I hadn't realised at the time, but I was also diagnosed with the BRCA gene. I was going to ask you whether it was genetic or... So or, what the wow. BRCA gene is, for anybody yeah. that doesn't know, it affects people with Jewish heritage in the main. Okay, I didn't know that. Now, I'm, I'm C of E, but I, my father is half Jewish, which makes me a quarter Jewish. Yeah. So if you have any any Jewish in you at all and you're a woman, please get tested. I did not know for that. For the Baraka gene. It's B-R-C-A is what the gene is called, uh, is how it's spelt. And you will may have heard in the media that Michelle Heaton, Angelina yeah. Jolie yeah. had this gene and they had a double mastectomy. Yeah. So I now know that if I'd have known that at the beginning, I could have taken de-risking measures and I wouldn't be in the situation I'm in so now. they didn't test you for that in the beginning then to see if they it was? They did, ah, but right. they didn't tell me the consequences. So I wasn't right. able to make an informed... Yeah. I wasn't able to make the right decision. Yeah. 85... If Once you're diagnosed with that BRCA gene, you have an 85% chance of having breast cancer or ovarian cancer, and in men, prostate cancer. Yeah, yeah. So it's a no-brainer. Yeah. So once I was diagnosed, and I, I should just, I'm sure she won't mind me saying, the one thing I feel is that is good that has come out of this is my sister, yeah. who then got tested, also yeah. has got the BRCA gene, right. has since had uh, a, a double mastectomy and her ovaries removed. And, you know, if I, I am a positive person, so I have to feel that something good has come out of my situation. Yeah. And I tell you, that is good because when I look at her, I yeah. know that I have my Save. situation has saved her life. Yeah. Anyway, I want, moving on from that, I've got this amazing oncologist now. Yes, I'm stage three stroke stage four. Yeah. Um, and he put me on a new drug, which is especially for people with, a, uh, with um, BRCA gene. Yeah. And... I am what they call in excellent remission. Yeah. Which people in excellent remission have a have a much better outcome. But more than that, and if you don't mind me leading on to something else, Absolutely, because yeah. this, this has been life-changing for me. Yeah. Um I there's two things that I've done that may inspire people that have, have had this. I mean, I've done loads of things in a well-being sense. Yeah. But the one thing is that I went to the London a meditation center yeah. on on a four day course of meditation. Now I've always meditated, but I wanted to take it to another level. And what I learned there was absolutely life changing for me. Really, 
And I meditate now twice a day for 20 minutes. It is, you know, when, when I, I, I wake up half an hour earlier and I sit up in bed and meditate for 20 minutes, it's nothing. It's nothing as in terms of time out of my day. Yeah. And it has changed me in so many ways. I'm more focused. I'm more productive. My sleep quality is better. I don't need as much sleep. But the most important thing for me is that I no longer have negative thoughts wow. about my situation. I no longer think, oh, I've got yeah. uh, stage three. And that's all because of that um, oncologist who didn't tell me this and uh, did this and did that and a number of other things that he did, which, um, you know, contributed to the way, uh, you know, I've been over the last few years. Um I don't want to be thinking negative thoughts. Yeah. I want to, do you know what this has done? This meditation, I am now living my best life. <sighs> and if I hadn't have, whilst I wouldn't want to have breast cancer, if I hadn't have gone on this journey, I wouldn't have come up with my viv. Vanessa wouldn't be in the great place she's in. I wouldn't be living my best life. And for that, I am extremely grateful. So I would really recommend that. The other thing I would recommend um, and this isn't available on the NHS, but it isn't it isn't um, going to break the bank either. Yeah. Um, but I have recently been on a trial with um, COC, which is um, I forget what it's called, but if you look it up, it's yeah, an yeah. On- oncology clinic, care oncology clinic, yeah. I think it's called. Um, and they're doing a very successful trial at the moment where they give you off-label drugs, which are drugs like metformin so they're standard drugs that are not licensed for cancer but actually make the medication that you're on much more efficient and and last a lot lot longer so it's definitely worth investigating and um yeah i feel very very lucky to be on that trial and just for our listeners just remind us of what the meditation school is um called because i'm sure everyone will want to look it up yes the meditation school is called the london meditation center um, it's a four-day course. Yeah. It's in, uh, I think it's in Notting Hill. Yeah. And it's run by Michael Miller. Yeah. And Gillian, and that's Gillian with a J, Lavender, yeah. who's also written a book on why oh, it's wow. important to meditate. So even if you could, you know, you decide not to go on the course, it's worth um, getting the book. Yeah. Brilliant. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, I mean, you look amazing. <laughs> Is it right, right recently that you've gone vegan or cut out meat, made some changes to your diet? So I absolutely did. So August last year, um, I read a book, which again, I recommend <laughs> called Cancer Revolution, which really changed my thinking, particularly about food. And with my cancer, it, it it's very much uh, feeds off of um, hormones. So right. I decided that I was good. My aim was I wanted to remove anything with hormones from my diet. Yeah. So I wanted to become um, a vegan. That is more challenging, actually, <laughs> than you think it's going to be. Yeah. So I would say I'm probably, um, I'm 100% vegetarian. Yeah. And I'm probably 80% vegan yeah. because... I am struggling with the cheese and finding a good alternative. <laughs> yeah. I'm using um, plant-based milk. There's a milk called MYLK, spelled oh, I know MYLK. Yeah, so yeah. I use that. Um, and I'm doing okay with creme fraiche and things like that. Yeah. But cheese is quite difficult because yeah. it's important to have protein in your diet. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I'm sure actually that is going to get better. I've, I've heard there was a vegan festival, which I'm, I'm dying <laughs> to go to and try out some different things. But I now grow my own vegetables yeah. and, um, you know, I cook them, I grow them and cook them. That feels really, you know, obviously you can't get more organic than yeah. that um so my diet has really changed i i um you know i have a, a green juice every day i eat a lot of fiber um i eat loads of vegetables yeah. when anybody used to say to me about having a salad i'd say no i don't like salads <laughs> because i whenever i thought about salad i thought about lettuce tomato and cucumber yeah. just on a plate and that was it but when you become an actual vegetarian and you start looking up what foods you can cook, yeah. even salads, you know, in this weather, you can create some amazing tasty salads yeah. that, um, you know, are so easy to do and so quick to do. Um, and actually works really well with the family because I, I'll just adapt my meal to be vegetarian and I'll adapt their meal um, to include vegetarians. Yeah. So they still get, you know, if, for example, they're going to have, uh, I'm going to do them salmon for dinner. Yeah. I'll cook them salmon with, with salad, one of my nice Pasta creative salads, salads <laughs> uh, new potatoes, and I'll have grilled halloumi. So, you know, we make it, it's still a family yeah. dinner and, and it's, you know, very healthy. So I feel really good actually about the way I eat. I've, um, it's probably the, healthiest I've ever ate. And do you like a glass of wine or champagne or can you leave that? You know? So I do, I can, I am allowed to drink. I yeah. mean, I do, I do, I prob- but I don't drink a lot, nowhere yeah. near as much as I used to. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I, I just, better. you know, there's lots of reasons for that. One is, you know, that less is better. Yeah. Secondly, you know, certain medications make it a little bit less tolerable. Yeah. So, you know, you find a balance. Yeah. Um, so moving back to Anne Summers, um, you've recently changed your role slightly to become chair. Is that right? And Vanessa is CEO. So what's that change? Explain that to us. Well, we have, um, first of all, we have some amazing, amazing people in the business um, our our board is about 80% women. Our senior leadership team is about 60% women. We have some great talent that we're building up through the pipeline. And I'm very proud that we've we've achieved that. And, you know, we we it's something that's really important. And actually, we don't do it because they're women. We do it because they are the best person for the job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's no box ticking at all. So um, Vanessa was previously joint uh, MD. You know, Vanessa and I have both been through a lot. I've obviously been through my my struggles. Vanessa uh, has been there supporting me every step of the way. Um, and I've been doing this for, you know, since 1981. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think it's time. But <laughs> I just want to, I don't want to step out of the business at all, but I really want to focus on, the things that really matter, you know, we've got some great projects going on at the moment, projects that, you know, we are um, progressing. And it's nice to step away from some of the detail and allow others the chance to um, flourish. And, you know, we have got some great people that are we're empowering. And, you know, I've just come off a meeting actually before we met, a shareholders meeting and talking about, you know, what what's our plans are for the, for the next few years. So, um, 
it's just really a you know it's about getting the balance right and I think as you get older you do get better at doing that and you do realize that you know we we love what we do we're passionate we want to carry on doing what we're passionate about but we also have to take care of our well-being and we have to get that bad that life work balance right yeah exciting um I've met you a few times now. You come over as so lovely and so kind, but I'm sure that over the years you've had to be quite ruthless. Um, how would you describe yourself as a leader? Um, I'm very inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to have, uh, you know, I like to involve people. I'm not somebody who, you know, wants to work solely on their own. I think it's important to bring the team along with the journey on the journey. I equally don't like yes people. That frustrates me. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind people that have a different point of view. Um, I like people mm. at the table that are contributing. Um, and I think, you know, a piece of advice for other women, particularly listening, you know, this is, when I think about earning your seat at the table, I'm not talking about the person that l- talks the loudest in the room. I'm not talking about the person that, you know, uh, raises their voice, gets angry or tells the best jokes. I'm talking about the person that has done their homework, that comes to the table and comes up with new ideas. Even if I don't want to go with that idea, those are the people that you're going to remember. Yeah. So that's, that is really important to me. Um, I'm very engaging with my team. My door is always open. Um, I'm not afraid of confrontation. I don't actually see it as confrontation. I see it, it is what it is. You know, if, if you know, I'm, so what would be a confrontational situation if something's not working out, whether that's with a team member or whether it's with somebody that, we're doing business with you know I'll always give those people the opportunity to um you know that you know to to rectify things or do things differently you know it's always a collaborative approach um but I I I'm certainly not afraid of confrontation I'll always do what's in the best interest of the company um and what I you know how I see the future being yeah um, I, w- I would also add, I'm, yeah, no, that that that's my that that would be my my business approach. I think my leadership approach. And you are inspiring many other women with your wow winners, of which I was hugely lucky to be a winner last year. Um, I would rather you tell everybody because I bet there are loads of people listening that maybe don't know about it or do, and think, how could I be part of that program? So, would you like to just share with the listeners what that is and how people can get involved? Yes, I would. So, I stumbled onto social media. I don't know, some 10 years ago, maybe longer. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was sort of, uh, and but I did notice that I was, my followers were growing and growing and growing. And um, when I sort of looked into who my followers were, there were, you know, obviously people that knew of me, um, friends or people that had maybe seen me on something or other. And then there were um, 
a lot of West Ham fans because my <laughs> father is co-chairman of West Ham Football Club. So I had a lot of fans, still do. Um, and, but mostly were uh, women starting up their own business, women that had had enough of the glass ceiling, had enough of, you know, some of the all the bullshit. Yeah, which is my language that goes on in, uh, you know, goes on in in some industries and in the workplace. And they were sort of asking for advice, sharing what they were doing. And I just thought there's something here. I, I need, I'm trying to reach out to as many people as I can. And it's, you know, it's almost impossible to keep up with the volume. And then I just decided to do this competition. So um, called it WOW, which stands for Women on Wednesday. Yeah. So every, um, every Wednesday, uh, women tweet me or post to me about their business. And I look for the ones that really stand out for me. Those are the ones that have got a great website. Those are the ones that I feel are have the opportunity to upscale in their business and uh, grow their business. Um, and also those that are just doing something a bit differently to everybody else. Um, and then I announce my winners, which, as you know, go <laughs> they go they get a badge, so they then become an award winning business. They join our a Facebook community where they engage with each other, um, and the top three overall for the year, which I do every year, which Holly, you were an absolute no brainer in my <laughs> mind, um, where I take out the the, the winners to um, a mentoring lunch. Uh, sort fabulous. of a networking lunch. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing, wasn't yeah, it? Really and great. actually, I learned so much from those lunches as well. And I yeah. just enjoy them so much. Um, and you also, in not just from my experience, but from each other's, uh, you know, you were inspiring each other, which was just amazing. And then we've yet to do the learning day at our head office, yeah. which is where I invite my winners down to the head office. And they get to meet with some of our experts. They spend the day you'll spend the day with us, yeah. meet with our experts. Um, and it's sort of pretty much tailored tailored to you. And you get a big tour of uh, what Anne Summers Can't looks wait. like and the operation, which is good fun. And uh, a goodie box at the end of it, oh, which is always a, a Brucey bonus. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking, we're going to conclude the podcast in one minute, but just for any of those listeners today, maybe those women out there that are wanting to introduce a little bit of something extra into the bedroom, a bit nervous of going into an Anne Summer store, um, what's your advice to them? How do they um, how do they go about ramping up their sex life? So you're saying they're nervous about going into yeah. the store. So if you're not nervous of going into the store, I just mentioned this, We our, our teams are trained, you know, this is every day to them and they'll, you know, give you as much advice as you want and you will feel so comfortable and they really are experts in their field. So it won't be, I promise you, it's not going to be embarrassing like you think it is, like you think it might be. Um, you can obviously get in touch with one of our um, ambassadors. So that could be a personal one-to-one over Zoom or yeah. on the phone if you feel more comfortable with that. You can have fun at a party. Or if you just want to go on the website, then I would suggest probably if you are a newbie to Ann Summers and a beginner, I'd probably suggest something like um, the ears. <laughs> now, we all know, we've all heard of the rampant rabbit. What are the ears? So the ears are literally the ears of the rampant rabbit. So it's probably about that big, about yeah. three inches. Yeah. And uh, they've got the most amazing vibrating ears. So it's very small, perfect for travel. 
holidays. Um, and something that, you know, isn't, um, you know, it's a sort of a gentle introduction yeah. for you and your partner or just you. We are inspiring on so many levels today. Meditation, vibrators, setting up your own business. Um Jacqueline Gold, um, there is a saying that Oprah Winfrey says, which is your legacy is every life you touch. Um, I am one of millions uh, that I am sure you've inspired over the years. Um, every time I've reached out to you on Instagram, you've answered questions for, you, for me. You've helped me on some personal things. Um, you are just a little powerhouse. And to think that everything you've been through, I, I feel like, you know, what you've been through is obviously you're sharing that with the world so openly. And I will imagine everybody that listens to this will take something away and you might inspire somebody to go for IVF, somebody to check, you know, that setting your alarm on you. I mean, that's just genius. Um, you know, I, I'll be dying to hear what this podcast inspires because I'm sure it will be so much, but, um, anything is possible is the theme of the podcast. Please tell us what does anything is possible mean to you? Well, for me, I tell you what I think this means because it does resonate with me. And that is, um, I think it's important not to let perceived barriers stand in the way of blue sky thinking. And it's something I say often, but if you write that down and then think it back, mm. you know, we should be thinking, we should think about sky's the limit and then work towards that goal. So often people say to me, well, I can't do that because I haven't got the funds or I can't do that because I don't have the right people. So they're, they're putting blockers in the way right before, uh, you know, that's for people that are already in a business. And then, of course, there's people like you and I who, you know, I left school with no O-levels because I, le uh, well, I had O-levels, but I had no A-levels. Um, you know, I was painfully shy. Um, I had a very difficult childhood. And yet, you know, here I am, no training, but I have a dream. And if you've, if you've got the dream, you know, every, just follow that dream. Everything else will follow. And can I, can I just give one tip? Please. Because yeah. anybody that's sitting there listening and thinking, oh, well, it's easy for her to say, what I want you to do, um, and I often give this advice because I did it for myself once and it worked brilliantly. If you are one of those people that just feels that you don't have the confidence, please send an email to yourself with all the things that you've achieved in your life both personal and professional, doesn't matter how small they are, write them all down. I only want you to write down the good things that you've ever achieved, ever achieved. And then when you have, uh, when you're going, when you have a wobble or you're going into your first board meeting or you're going to a networking event or a, a situation or you're doing an important pitch, we spoke about that, <laughs> didn't we? So just read back that email to yourself and I promise you, it's so powerful and it just gives you the lift and makes you think, my God, I am awesome. I really am awesome. Look at what I've achieved. You know, and we we don't remind ourselves enough of, of what we've achieved in our lives and what we are actually really capable of. 
that's another bit of brilliant advice. Um, anything is possible because you've been my hero for so long. To be sat with you in your house the day before my business's 10th anniversary is an absolute dream come true. I cannot thank you enough for welcoming us here and I cannot wait to hear the feedback from our listeners. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, Holly. It's been an absolute pleasure. Guys, it is back. Anything is possible live 2024. Join us on Saturday the 27th of April for a 12-hour personal development experience where you're going to hear from inspiring speakers, attend workshops and get the chance to network and make friends with like-minded individuals. We have listened to your feedback and have tailored this year's content to make the event even bigger and better than last year's. You need to keep your eyes peeled for exciting announcements of some new faces and familiar faces that you might have seen before. I cannot wait to see you all in person there.